everyone. I'm Kathleen Gazzola. And I'm Molly Upstill. And this is Mum's Mum's Gone Gone Tropo. A tropical escape filled with laughter, candid conversations and heartfelt stories of motherhood and the incredible lives lived in the NT. From sleepless nights, the parenthood roller coaster and the heartwarming milestones, we'll share our experiences and have the privilege to sit down with a diverse array of inspiring women, some well-known and others are hidden gems. But all of them have fascinating stories to share about why they've chosen to raise their families in the magic of the tropics. Today's episode contains a candid conversation about drug addiction, which may be triggering for some listeners. If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, support is available. Please check the show notes on where you can access help. Hello, finalists. Oh, Molly. my God. A <laughs> massive week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just over the moon and still quite in shock. I can't even wipe the smile from my face. Honestly, it still blows my mind. Um, if you follow us on Instagram uh, and Facebook, of course. And LinkedIn. Um, and, you know, just get text messages from both of us. <laughs> we became finalists yep. for the Australian Podcast Awards for this tiny little podcast. that In only the parenting category. Months. In the parenting category against the likes of Hamish Blake, Maddie J. It just... Wow. Like I mean, massive podcasts yeah. that have money and advertising and producers. Networks. You know. Networks. Yeah. And here we are. So, very, very big thank you to all of oh. you listeners and, of course, to all of our guests that are willing to come and meet us, usually on a Sunday morning in the corner of oh. Channel 9's building. <laughs> Just, Everyone's like, wow. so where's your studio? Oh, it's in the corner it's of in Mitchell Street. It's in CBD, <laughs> in Mitchell Street. That's all we need to say. But just incredible. I mean, you were very manifesting it into the world that it's manif- going to happen. Yeah. And I was like, Molls, you were much just, more cautious. Let's just take it back. I didn't want to have get my hopes up or anything. My hopes were up. There was no honestly. bringing them down. I was just... I was just, I was busting to find out. And I was like, there is no chance in hell. Like podcasting is huge and there's some massive names that have started podcasts and massive, you know, like Life Uncut and even Hamish Blake has what, a million Instagram followers, something ridiculous like that. We just have Darwin and (laughs) And Catherine and Catherine and, and, you know, a little patch of people in North Queensland and it's just insane. We have good spread. We do. We do. Yeah, yeah. We do. And, you know, I, I think what is so insane to me is that we started this on like, I don't want to say on a whim, but it was a phone call that I made to you. Hey, do you want to start a podcast? This is my thoughts. <laughs> You're like, immediately, yes, but let me just go and um, ask my husband and just check that everything's okay in terms of work and whatnot. And here we are, yeah, eight it's... months later. And we <laughs> had an eight, two-week break, a two-month break in the middle of the year. Yeah, really just... Honestly, phenomenal, blown away, uh, just wow, you know, wow. I know, I, I'm lost for words. I don't think the smile has wiped off my face. And, and every time we I think about it. were waiting that entire day to see oh, and it wasn't out. until like after five. Yep. And I honestly had the worst morning that morning, <laughs> had slept terribly, good old Sal doing her good sleep situation waking up for several hours two days in a row throughout my neck yet again doing my hair you know slash getting old and then dropping her off to daycare and (coughs) slipped because we'd obviously had that rain rain. so my shoes were wet and slipped as I was carrying her to go outside no one saw me so I didn't want to make a big deal and you know cause a drama landed squarely on my knee to take the brunt of the fall so I didn't axe her and so that I just 
dropped her off, got into the car and burst into tears. And you and had just a huge day at I work. hadn't yeah. you know, gotten out of bed but stuck it out and then you called me and it was just like, oh, my God. I couldn't believe it. I had just picked my parents up and I got the email as I was um, getting out of the car at Woolies and – I got it and it was congratulations, you are finalist in the parenting category. And that was the <laughs> last one I expected. I was sort of like if we have a chance in any of them, it would be, you know, new podcast or interview even, but we've made it in the parenting category. Very cool. And oh, I just, I'm lost for words. So now we're off to Sydney It yep, uh, towards somehow, the end of November. We've got to work that out. Yep. Yeah, we got to figure that out. <laughs> we bought the tickets to the show or the awards night, but it's red carpet, weirdly smart casual red carpet. So I think they're going for like low key sort of wear whatever you want, not like an Oscars red carpet, but trying to maybe get people to wear their personality. So I'm excited. Yeah, pretty wild. Imagine walking a red carpet <laughs> with like Hamish Blake and like Australia's celebrities because that's who's up there. Some big names. There is some big names. And it's then very little exciting. Little old Molly and Kathleen from Darwin. We'll be there on the red carpet like <laughs> our first school photos. How do we stand? I know. I don't know. I'll be like, what do I do with my hands? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god wild i know wild. so on that again thank you everyone and let's Wouldn't get into be here without this you. week's guest therese trahern packed her three boys into the back seat of her car and headed north after a marriage breakdown she came to darwin met and married a cowboy bought a childcare center on a whim and has never looked back the childcare center she bought was struggling for numbers and now has a wait list until january 2025 she talks about her large blended family and how important it is to be a teen. So please welcome Therese. Welcome, Therese, welcome. and thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm very excited for this one. Oh, good. Am I talking too loud? <laughs> Usually, but that's okay. <laughs> well, You're excited for, for every chat, Molly. Oh, I am. And sometimes I like share the stories or like the um, the interviews on my social media or my LinkedIn, whatever, and I'm like, I really love this chat. And then people must be like, you fucking love every chat. Like, <laughs> can you just pick a favourite? And I just can't. I love them all. Yeah, literally at the end of every conversation, she's like, thank you so much. That was just an amazing <laughs> chat. I think people are really going to love it. And it's honestly like on repeat every week. <laughs> It's like, like daily she messages that me day. like every week because she does all the editing and she's like, man, you are so repetitive. Like, stop. <laughs> I just spent 20 minutes repeating, taking out all the repeats. <laughs> <laughs> but in saying that, yours will be an incredible story. <laughs> okay. I think you're just a real territory mum. Let's start the way we always start. Give us your mum stats, Therese. Okay. So I am... A mum of seven, so and I always tell people that I had three born under my heart and three in it. So oh. that's how I always look at it. Because you're a blended I, yes, family, yes, aren't that's you? That's right. So, so three of your own. Yes, Gary's got the three boys, and then we've he's got a daughter in New South Wales as well. So, yeah, but all very close. All the boys were at home when we became a couple. Yeah, a very busy household. I love that description. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> really just nice. Honestly, never... beautiful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, and it was so seamless. We just everybody got along. Um, all the boys and I have an amazing relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it, – it's been a hell of a ride but, yeah. you know, a house full of boys and, and teenage problems and coming outs and all that sort of stuff but it's – yeah. 
I can imagine it would be having blended families. That is obviously a big concern that everyone gets along, right? Like that is a major issue. Can be an issue. And especially a house full of boys, all that testosterone and it was just they are just really solid brothers. It's just it's absolutely awesome. How old are your kids now? Uh, So Danielle, who lives in New South Wales, she's 33, Raymond's 31. And then Cody's 24, Trey's 25, Nash is 22, and then 19-year-old twins. Wow. Busy. 19-year-old twins. You can say that again. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Busy is right. Oh, my gosh. So for con, so everyone that knows, I, Therese, you run the daycare that Artie and Oscar go to. Mm-hmm. You're probably one of our OG listeners. You always, you know, you share our podcast in the Virginia Daycare newsletter all the time and we're so grateful for everything. But you guys started doing on the Story Park. I don't know every daycare uses a different thing, but we use that Story Park mm-hmm. app. And you started to do a let's, you know, get to know your educators. And anyway, I saw yours and I screenshot it the second I saw it and I was like, oh, my God, Kathleen, I didn't even know this stuff all about you. Let's get her on the podcast. And I think that you just, um, I mean, the blended family is awesome, but also like you're fishing, camping, um, what else, hunting, (laughs) met your husband at a rodeo and, you know, just like the whole kit and caboodle. How did you find your way to the Territory? I grew up here, so I came up with my family and did all my high school years here. So I already had a lot of friends up here and some family. And then in 2013, um, after a marriage breakdown down south, I decided I wanted to come back to Darwin. There's something about Darwin that brings people back. Mm -hmm. I was doing some training and assessing up here in childcare, which I was flying up every six weeks. So uh, I was offered a job by a major childcare company to be their state manager. So I came up and managed uh, the centres up here for Good Start Early Learning. Yeah, and they've got the city, they've got Virginia, they've got CDU. Good Start's not at Virginia, so Good Start. Oh, no, that must be there. Beast Creek. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they've got, I think, 14 centres across Darwin and Palmerston. Um, None in Alice Springs, but, yeah, uh, so they're one of the major chains. When ABC Learning collapsed, Good Start Early Learning took on a majority of those centres and the rest were basically auctioned off to private people. Yeah. Um, which I got one. Yeah. <laughs> I was a director of a childcare centre um, in a little town called Murray Bridge just out of Adelaide. And I put in a bid on a centre, the local centre, to be nosy. <laughs> I really, right. really didn't <laughs> That's have... why we all go to our neighbours open home, right? Not <laughs> to buy, just to be <laughs> nosy. Exactly. I didn't really have any money to buy a centre and then... I put in a ridiculous bid of $100,000 and they contacted me. I thought, beauty, we're on here. (laughs) They contacted me and said, here's a brand new centre full of a half a million dollars worth of resources, but there's only six children, so here you go. So no one would lend me money because it was an ABC learning centre that had just collapsed. Uh, So I found a local man who not only was the bank manager, he was my first enrolment. So, wait. So this is the Virginia one that you no, run. This now. is down south. This oh, is how I got right. into childcare. Yeah, and um, yeah. So went into that childcare and ended up with 
uh, two centres in the same town within a year. Oh, my gosh. And then that was my background before coming up here. So how did you grow it? How do you go from having six enrolments to to having two whole centres? I think it's a local thing. It's uh, Word of mouth, eh? Word of mouth and being a local person. Within six weeks, we're at capacity. Incredible. So we, I mean, it just shows the demand yeah, that there is. That's for childcare, right. Childcare right? demand child, is childcare. through the roof. Yeah. So there was another centre in the town which was owned by another interstate operator that was selling. So my dear bank manager backed me, backed me on that as well. And um, so got another one, filled that. And then we outgrew it. So we then, uh, another provider had gone broke. We bought their building and moved into that. So we had. Do you know, I see the amount of money that goes into childcare and I find it really hard to find out how they go broke, but I guess staff are really expensive and like you have to have what, one yep. staff member to every four kids or something? Yeah, so staff staff costs are 50% of turnover. Yeah. Um, as, as a rule, I mean, annual leave will put you over that and everything like that, but it's about 50% of turnover. So um, a majority of your profit goes into that. Did you have any business experience or before buying a business no. or did you just literally go you just saw a opportunity and you you just learn as you go and you just yeah. had someone that took had faith in you yeah I was I'd been in childcare for only about five years and just sort of worked my way through from relief staff to a director's position but I knew nothing about the business acumen nothing at all mm. so it just yeah for some reason it went through the roof and worked out for me so and the same things happened here we you know, we took on a centre with 20 children a day and now my wait list is January 25. I know. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, wow. Yeah. And so did you keep those centres in South Australia when no, you came No, no. So I sold another company was coming into town, mm-hmm. um, a big company called G8, and they approached me and said, we'd like to buy your centres off you and basically we're coming to town anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. so was on the wall. Yeah. Was it was it at the time of your marriage breakdown that and it was just really good timing from them? Absolutely. Or was it yeah. like that you sold them and then no, it, it was absolutely and you're like, that well, was, this is a sign. That was that was my way out, I think. It was it was it was time. <laughs> and you know, there's no big backstory on on any violence or anything like that was just something that ran its course and and I don't think that's (laughs) uncommon or yeah so it was it was great timing it was an opportunity to be able to pay off the mortgage pay off debt and um start again yeah so that's what I did I put the three boys in the car and drove to Darwin oh my gosh Gosh. and how long ago was that that was in 2013 2013 yeah and you'd been away for how long uh, I left Darwin in '91. Yeah, right. So okay. it had changed a lot. I, my first, yeah. yeah, my first job was pumping petrol at Noonamar's store. <laughs> that was the only shop uh, before. Well, at, that was the end of the line, basically. Yeah. I lived at Darwin River, and there was nothing out there then. There was. No yeah, now there's a fancy pub that people just go for weekend yeah. trips to. Oh, my, my mum's best friend lives out at Bees Creek mm-hmm. and I remember as a kid driving out to visit her. We lived in the northern suburbs and then moved to Fanny Bay and I just remember the drive, you know, you might go past Palms and you might see some houses on the skirts of the highway but literally 
nothing yeah, between was, the Berrimah line yeah, and Bees Creek. There was no cooler linger. But now, like, Howard Springs, I say, is essentially <laughs> a Palmerston suburb, you know, and, like, mm. Zicoli and it's incredible. You don't see basically any bushland now. Yeah. No, no for sure. Like, um, uh, what's the other suburb that's popped up? Johnson, that's all the way along the highway there. It's crazy. Mm. Lots yeah. of people moving out there. So Virginia is basically the back end of Zicoli now. Yeah, I know, the north. <laughs> yeah, now. it's incredible. Gosh. And so once you got back here, you were like, oh, we're good, we're home. It, it did. It felt like home. It was very strange, but, yeah, it felt like home. The boys settled into school well. They they went to the same school that I went to school that with the same teachers, which Bless. was really funny, yeah. walking in there and seeing my teachers still working there. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Love that must have been surreal. Yeah, yeah, so... Uh, it all just worked really well. It just felt like home. So, Amazing. yeah. And obviously the lifestyle. So you're bringing three boys up mm-hmm. and you brought them up by yourself until you met your now mm-hmm. husband. Yep. And when, when did you meet him and tell us how? <laughs> so Gary and I met about almost seven years ago. Uh, I was driving to town one day and I heard a competition on the radio, Who Wants to Win Tickets to Noonamar Rodeo? And I'd never been to one in my life. Yeah. And my mum was up at the time, so I thought, well, I want to win tickets to the rodeo. So I rang up and, yep, won them, come and pick them up. So I go into the radio station and they're like, would you like to upgrade these tickets? We'll fly you in by chopper. (laughs) You'll be a VIP guest. You'll get all your food, all your drinks. We'll send you down the bull shoot with the cowboys. And I'm like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. That's exactly what I want to do. So they said, okay, well, you need to go to Mindle Beach Markets and ride a mechanical bull with the other contestants and whoever wins gets the package. So I lasted 47 seconds on this bull. Oh, amazing. I oh, my God, that's pretty good. <laughs> I'd never been on one. I couldn't walk for three days. <laughs> Worth it. You wanted that prize. <laughs> yeah, so I won the whole lot, um, met my cowboy. and So oh. was he riding that night? He wasn't riding that night, but he was a bull rider, so... He was in the bar, so that's, yeah. <laughs> oh, so you were going to meet him one way or another. Yeah, full Darwin romance. <laughs> oh, my it. God. Um, my favourite thing um, out of Noonamar Tavern, because the Noonamar Rodeo is run at the back of the mm-hmm. tavern, is the stubby coolers. It's like, where the bloody hell is Noonamar? <laughs> yeah. And the guy on the motorbike, I've got like five of those stubby coolers. They're my favourite ones. Yeah, you see the stickers everywhere when yeah. you're travelling down south. Yeah, do. It's great. Yeah, yeah. I think it's they great. do a great job. It's awesome down there. <laughs> So you met the cowboy yes. and he had a family of his own. Mm-hmm. Not Sorry, that made me sound like you came in and home wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> he was split yes, and he had his own, yes. his own kids. And it, how did it sort of all happen from there? Uh, yeah, it, it was, you know, one of those things that you, you hear about these whirlwind romances, but it was. It was... Um, We'd met at the rodeo and three months later he and the boys had moved in. His his lease was up on his house and it was like, well, you've been here every night anyway. <laughs> you might as well move in. So he, he and the three boys moved in. Yeah. And um, four months later we were engaged. <laughs> wow. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> what was it like welcoming four <laughs> extra kids? <laughs> I can't do that. Three kids and one man. Yeah. (laughs) Three kids and one man. Into your your, how do you how did you facilitate your own kids? The feelings of your own kids, the feeling of someone else's kids, and managing the many, many relationships very quickly. Yeah, it was like it 
Well, I look back now, it seems seamless, but at the time it was very busy trying to make sure that I was giving my boys attention, um, that Gary's boys were feeling welcome into the house yeah. and that also different. You know, Gary's boys have been brought up fishing and hunting and my kids are um, basically white privileged boys from private school. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so, so trying to mesh that together where my boys would go hunting and everything. You could see they didn't really enjoy it, but they'd go. <laughs> and then so splitting my time between what all the kids enjoyed, mm. um, what was a little bit hard, but now that they're all older, it's just so much better. But they've all got their own interests and yeah. girlfriends and boyfriends and, and all sorts happening. So now it's, it's a lot easier. We've still got three boys at home yeah, and a girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's become a lot easier as we've gone along. A lot of learning. Yeah, I bet there was. <laughs> yeah, a lot of reassurance and, yeah. Mm. And did, were you guys always on the same page as well or was there a bit of a having to navigate Oh, no, well? absolutely. We were on the same page all the time and and Gary just seems to have this gift with young men as well that he he's able to be on the same level as them and, you know, he's been there, he's done that. He was a mm. bit of a rat bag when he was younger, so mm. not much gets past him. Yeah, <laughs> you can anticipate and what's coming. Being, he's very old-fashioned, so my boys, you know, they don't wear a hat inside. They don't sit at the table till I sit at the table. They, I don't carry groceries. Wow. I don't, you know, mm. the manners that I he's instilled uh, into them yeah. is amazing. It's lovely. I think that sort of stuff goes a long way now. I agree. I, I um, am always shocked when I see people wearing hats in important places like mm-hmm. I just am always I don't know I get that hats are a fashion statement but for me I, I'm the same I've always been told that you take your hat off when yep. you walk into yeah somewhere like you shake people's hand you say hello you use your manners and well we we're in the casino last night watching the footy and they play the national anthem and Gary and one other young man in the whole room were the only two to take their hat off oh really yeah, I, I was right. quite disgusted mm. yeah yeah, I think it's definitely a lost a lost thing in society mm-hmm. these days, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. So I am quite lucky my boys are all gentlemen. Yeah, I'm sure they would have been <laughs> otherwise. I'd be very proud. <laughs> and so did they take to the hunting and the fishing? Because you now are really a part, like you go part, um, you're part of teams that go into the um, – Secret special women's secret business. women's. I always go say special women's. <laughs> yeah, women's fishing comps. Mm-hmm. And how was that part of your life pre Gary? But it sort of is or wasn't, and now is. I was always interested in. Like I was brought up in a family on the Murray River, so but the Murray River compared to fishing up here is mm, yeah, yeah. a huge difference. Uh, so it wasn't like I was a girly girl that was always, you know, not interested in it and introduced to it. So it was, it was right up my alley. Yeah. Um, and my boys, they, you know, they don't mind going out in the boat fishing and crabbing and stuff like that. Um, the hunting side of it's not really for them. Yeah. They're, I, they're yeah, quite it's happy a quiet to, taste, I think. Yeah. They're quite happy to eat it out of the freezer. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Gary goes, he, um, actually has his own YouTube channel and everything with his partner in Gove. Wow. Um, they go out uh, in Arnhem Land. His partner is married to a Yongu woman, so yeah. they have access to all the traditional land and, yeah. and they hunt out there with um, they're bow hunters. So that's another wow. Yeah, wow. another thing on top of it. So do they take like tourists out there? Uh, 
Chris is out at a little place at the moment called um, Bawaka, which is a hunting and fishing um, destination, I guess, for a lot of rich people. Mm. They've just had the wallabies staying there for a bond wow. team bonding camp and everything. So yeah. Chris Care takes that. Yeah. Um, and then when Gary can get over there, um, they go and do their little bit and film it. And What's the YouTube channel called? Uh, it's Boars Buff and Blue Water. Great name. That's a great name. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah so it's cool. basically just two rednecks yeah. <laughs> yeah. living their best life. With rich people from down south who want to go and kill a yeah. buffalo. Yeah. What do you think for the people that go and do the the fishing and the hunting and they pay they do pay they pay big money to come mm-hmm. up here and, you know, take the buffalo horns home and or the bantang or whatever they're shooting. What do you think the appeal is up here for for people who don't live here and don't get to do that. I think they're the trophy beasts really. Yeah. You know, down south you've got cows. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you've got carp in the river. <laughs> you've yeah. got, but up here you've got the big game fishing, you've got the the big animals, the big beasts that yeah. are the challenge. And, you know, people even pigging down down south in Victoria and everything, it's just not the same. You know, you could go out for two nights and not see one were here. Uh, you got to go home because you've got too many. Yeah. It's the never, never, right? Like it is that whole idea of you're literally in the middle of nowhere. That's We're still untouched. untouched. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you can go and see these incredible predators and these animals, albeit pigs being a pest, mm. but you can see these literally like go down the gunpoint and you can go shoot a pig. Like yeah. it's just <laughs> it's so accessible for us whereas – you know, you drive an hour somewhere down south and you're in the next town, you're having to slow down or, you know, you're in a different mm-hmm. paddock or it's already been developed. But up here it's just. That's right. There's a lot of places you go that you wonder if anyone's actually even stepped where you've stepped. Yeah. yeah. Like those fishing lodges, you're likely to catch a metery because <laughs> that hasn't been outfished. Yeah. Well, I need to go there. Yes. If you've <laughs> so got I've a few thousand even- bucks. Yeah, I yeah, no, they're not cheap. They're but not cheap. They're pretty incredible what you get out of them, mm-hmm. aren't they? Yeah. Oh, and it's just yeah, beautiful land, beautiful people. Yeah. Um, I've been able to go out and eat things like stingrays and long bottoms and turtle eggs and stuff that oh I'd my never gosh. never have an opportunity to do that. And what a else. privilege to be able to do that with the traditional owners. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um I've actually got a, a canvas I have to frame at work. The one of the younger women actually painted me. Uh, my logo, which is the Amazing. saltwater turtles. So um, <laughs> that was pretty special. Before yeah. I left, she handed that over to me and it's just perfect. That's amazing. <laughs> that is so, so beautiful. So prior to having seven men in the house. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the seven turtles yeah. on my logo. Uh, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. I didn't even notice that there was seven. It didn't even occur to me. I look at it every day. Was that an adjustment? I mean, you obviously already had three boys, mm-hmm. so you're already outnumbered yeah. having two take interest in boy things. I yes. <laughs> and then you add another four on top of that. Yeah. How did you find, you know, was it at times lonely in the sense of, you know, men and women are very different? I think I've always worked in an industry full of women, so I that fills my cup. point, yeah. Um, by the end of the week, sometimes I've had enough of women. Yeah. I, you know, like in in – in my industry, it's, you know, you're sometimes 
they're quite isolated. I'm their mum and their counsellor and their mm. their confidants and, and, you know, I've got mums coming in that, you know, need a hug some and days. And um, Remember when I came in in tears when Oscar was a newborn? Um, are you talking about someone specific? Yes, you're talking about me. When I walked in when Oscar was a fresh little baby and you me that day. oh man I was a mess mm. god actually you did give me some really good advice because I remember trying to find like a couple of casual Fridays I said to you I was like oh the mum guilt is so real but I just cannot give at the moment Artie what he needs from me I was so drained Oscar was just smashing me at night and I just didn't have what it took to keep up <laughs> with that kid and give him enough to fill his cup through the day. Mm. And he loves daycare, but I mean, you know, as I said last week, you're either getting smashed by mum guilt or you're getting smashed by work guilt. There's no in between. And you were just so just, I don't know, not realistic, but just looked at me and you said, leave the guilt at the Mm. door. It's okay. Artie has a great time when he's here. You don't need to feel the mum guilt and you need to, yeah, and that sort of goes to what you said to Kathleen and I before in that kids are only young once. Just do what you need to do and do what yeah. works for you. And I surely am not the only mum who's come in and, oh, and been an absolute wreck it's, with a it's new a, baby. It's a weekly thing, you know, yeah. that they'll come in because, yeah, they've got a new bub or they've just had a really rough week at work or they just need a break or, mm. um, you know, women have a lot going on other than just going to work and coming home. And, yeah. And or, you know, new mums that drop the child off and they've got that mum guilt and it's like they need a break from you too. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As much as you feel guilty and you're going to miss them, they're going to have a blast. Mm. They need time away from you. Yeah, oh, they do have a great time. Yeah, oh, I swear Sally's like on a day off with me. I was like, okay, what are we doing next? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Like, when I'm at that other place, the things they've got going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. probably bored with me these days. What was it that child about childcare, early childcare that drew you in in the first place? Um, if I'm honest, it's so I could take my children to work with me. Yeah. Um, I always worked before childcare. I worked in insurance, mm-hmm. and then I had Nash, and he was six months old, and I was so bored. My house was clean. I had nothing to do. I I needed something. I wasn't cut out just to sit at home and be a mum. Yeah, which I don't have anything against mums that do stay at home. No, no, of course. But it wasn't for me. So I'm, I'm, I'm I, exactly the same. It hit me at four months when I had Artie. I was like, I'm not going back until 12 months. And at four months I was climbing the wall. Yeah. And I, like, I waited out to six months for both of them, but I was busting to get back. Yeah, I needed something for me. So I started, I looked at my local town, had a TAFE. So I thought, what can I study there that... I can study something at home that's worthwhile and childcare was on there. So I just picked that and, um, yeah, it just sort of snowballed from there. Did, did you know it would be like your forever career? Did you know you would love it as much as you would? No. Because I personally couldn't imagine anything worse than looking after kids <laughs> and then coming home and looking after my own. No, I didn't. I um, I went, a, you know, I started doing my first placement three months in. You you know, you do your little assignments at home and then you've got to go to a local childcare centre and they've got to watch you change your nappy and watch you interact with children. And I went in on my first day and they offered me a job and I thought, oh, I must be good at this. And, um, and of course, Nash just refused to come with me, which was the whole oh. point of me going <laughs> to childcare. But being, like you know, the thing. firstborn grandson on both sides, there was no shortage of help help that wanted to have him so I ended up yeah being there full time within weeks so 
and then I had some time off when I had the twins and um, got fully qualified while the twins were newborn. I remember rocking them one night in the pram while I'm typing my last assignment and I've got tears rolling down my face because oh it was like 11 o'clock at night I'm rocking them in the pram and I hit send and I was like oh my god done. I've done it amazing I've done oh, it on you to be able to do that with a toddler and then twins yes yeah, so I had three under three at that stage and oh. I was like yeah and do twins run in your family yeah my mum's a twin and my dad's a triplet Right, so you really had no chance. <laughs> I had no chance. <laughs> Are they identical or just or fraternal? Fraternal, so yeah. they're a result of two eggs. Okay. So the doctor had said if you go for another child, you've got a 70% chance for another multiple birth. 70. Oh, I'm my like, No, that will do. <laughs> yeah, right. We what? said this in, um, in Brad's interview, Brad Morgan, who has twins as the final <laughs> five essentially made up the family of um five kids do you think it would have been I mean easier isn't the right word because kids aren't easy had you had them first because you wouldn't have known any better oh absolutely yeah. I think yeah 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 I thought my throat had been cut it was horrible <laughs> oh, the first six months I hated it I cried every day oh, it'd be so hard. yeah they fed every two hours for 11 months before I, was I had exhausted <laughs> Steve's grandmother um, had twins in, as her siblings and Steve was like, oh, it'd be great if we had twins and get it done because I would like to have two and he'd be happy at one. But um, I was like, yeah, but you won't be dealing with that. Done it now. I'm like, now we have one. Can you imagine if we had twins? And he's like, yeah, good point. Oh, yeah, hats off to mums of multiples. multiples. Yeah. It's I have a very soft spot for thing. them. Whenever I see on one of the chat pages, I don't often comment on the mums and kids pages because I don't want to be seen as this, you know, this person that's in an industry trying to build a business or have her two cents worth. So I never really comment, but there was a mum the other day of twins. So I, I just had to. because Yeah, fair I enough. Just, yeah, I've got a soft spot for them. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, I bet, definitely. <laughs> would have been like a bloody hitting a brick wall when you have twins. I couldn't imagine it. Like you feel so touched out with just one baby on the boob all the time, let alone feeding with both. I, I didn't breastfeed my twins. Uh, oh, yeah. They were five weeks early so they were gavage fed through the nose yeah. um, until they uh, could drink from a bottle. So they went on to a preemie formula. So I'm really not disappointed about that if I'm honest. No, I, yeah, I think I, I would be almost on the same page as you. Mm -hmm. I reckon if I had twins I would seriously be like, what's your mental health worth versus <laughs> – breastfeeding or not breastfeeding or like combo feeding I don't know yeah I, I, I guess was, you never know until you're in it but yeah I was kind of relieved when they said look we've got to put them on a formula straight away <laughs> I was I was quietly relieved yeah because it took that decision off of me and that guilt and yeah. yeah and everything so they said oh we can store your breast milk I'm like no no that's not necessary it's okay <laughs> yeah so can I ask in that sense were they early because they were twins and, and they had to get out or was there a complication no they were just uh one of them broke his water so the other one just had to come yeah right <laughs> um but they were a decent five pound weight each so they were wait what's five pounds um oh yeah so 2.2 kilos per baby that's pretty big for a, yeah two for, babies for, in for one twins, yeah. yeah so and you would probably expect them to be that size at Five weeks term. early. Yeah, at full term they said they may have been, you know, just a normal baby weight. Yeah, because don't you put on a – they put on 100 grams a week in that last five, six weeks, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, something like that. But it's Ooh. fascinating because they address your twins as left and right twin because I didn't want to know the sex either, so they address them as left and right. And when they were born, 
uh, Cruz was my left twin, he's left-handed. Tyler's the right twin, he's right-handed. That's how they sit in the car. That's how they eat at the table. Oh my That's gosh. how they slept. Wow. It's, yeah, it's really uncanny. It's wild. Mm. I find it so fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> Just the fact that they are though, that's where they are kind of in yeah. the womb and then they've come out and that's how. Well, I went to a sleep doctor because I said I need these children to sleep or one mm. of us is going to die basically Absolutely. and he specialised in multiple births and he said which one was left and which one was right. I've and never I, heard of that before. And I, I was really puzzled and he said you need to make sure that this one's always on the left of this one. And, and that's what they're used to. 12 hours that night they slept. Amazing. Oh, thank God. You're joking. You just literally this. just swapped places and yep. it was fine. Yep. What wow. the fuck? <laughs> Humans are amazing. Wait, so I wonder if you have triplets. Is it like which one's the centre? Probably. Yeah. The and the left and right. I have a friend in, um, back down in WA who just had, well, 12 months ago now, but over 12 months ago now, identical triplet boys. <gasps> That's, yeah. She puts it on her Instagram story every now and again. I just like nearly f- pass out for her. Oh, her life is like, over. <laughs> they each have one of those little cool little trucks that you get from Big W and she, and she put a story up of them riding through the house the other day. I was like. Like, I know I have two under 16 months, but, like, to think about what, like, Oscar times three or, like, Artie times three before I got a sleep training for Artie, I just think. Mm-mm. Or, like, even doing twins, like, two of that. Mm-hmm. I just oh. thought it would come easy, you know. I, I work in childcare. Mm. Yeah. I look after babies all the time. A lot of people and would I, think that full stop. Yeah, yeah, I failed at everything. I had a C-section both times. I couldn't breastfeed. I co-slept. I... Oh, you gotta do so that that's to that's through. why I say even to mums, you do you. you. To, yeah, even just had you said that, you failed with quotation marks. <laughs> of all the expectations. Yeah, the expectations. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's the thing that we put on ourselves, right? That's, oh, absolutely. Yeah, rough. Gosh. And so that's your biggest advice for people. You do oh, you, you do what works for you. That's right, exactly. You know, you have all these mums groups and everything which, you know, are a wonderful way to make friends and socialise mm. your babies and everything but they're so bloody competitive and mm. my child's got six teeth and mine's got eight and we do this and we do this and I'm like, geez, I got through the day. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> my kids are alive. Yeah. So I thought that was the most important. I think I certainly recognise that in myself now because my mum passed away 10 years ago and I found that really difficult Mm -hmm. having Sally and not having her around because I feel like, you know, so many people give you advice Mm. but I feel like your mum tells you something, you're more likely yeah, to Yeah, and they give it to you straight. And, <laughs> no, and I think you're probably well, I turned going out to, well, so you've done it right, mum. <laughs> yeah, you're probably going to take it on because you're of that same person, yeah. right, same yep. ideals or whatever. So I think it's probably, I reckon probably only since Sal's been around, she turned two a couple of weeks ago, since she's now in the toddlerdom that I've really recognised that I really didn't do myself any justice yeah. in terms of, doing whatever worked for her I definitely had expectations of what needed to happen you know yep. <laughs> that she's meant to be this little robot that will sleep this amount of time at this time for this long but do you she also, needs to eat this and blah 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 like do you I don't think, think that I was might have also myself. just been that you just don't know what you don't know and like being a like a first-time mom oh I'm sure that's like, the case but I just I just wonder and it's never something I'm gonna know no but I just I don't know I feel like I've Regardless of whether mum was here or not, I yeah. don't think I was very fair to myself and I think I don't think anything prepares you. You know, everyone mm. gives you their stories and, and what works for their babies and stuff like that, but until mm. <laughs> you've got that child. Yeah. Uh. Mm. I'd like to think if a second one comes along that I'll be a bit nicer to myself. But mm-hmm. I say that and I, I probably you're won't a great mum. I hope you are. 
Oh, Look how I, good Sally is. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think I just wasn't fair on myself in those, you yeah. know, in the pressure the you put on yourself. Exactly, yeah. you know, when you're just trying to find your way. Yeah. I just look back. You know, it's hindsight. Yeah, I know, hindsight. I know. Yeah, yeah you live by that clock. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. One fun fact that you included in your questionnaire, you have a photographic memory. Mm. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> how cool is that? How does that work? Yeah, I mean, so like, my first job out of school I worked in – I was the only female spare parts person that worked for Toyota. And with Toyota, every part number is 10 digits long. So I was 17 and I'm 50 next month and I can still tell you the part number for an oil filter for an 82 Corolla. You know, like wow. any phone what numbers, it? any it's 909 <laughs> <laughs> And is it specific things or it's any numbers, kind of yeah. numbers, number plates, phone numbers? Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and so it was from that job that you realised. I think it. so. Like my mum said, I was always like that as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, always, you know, reading the newspaper, young and stuff like that. But it was from there that I really realised that the recalling of numbers. is this a problem or is this a gift? <laughs> uh, and do you find it's a gift? I do, I yeah. do because, yeah, one of the kids will ask me their passport number or something and I'll tell them what it is and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, That's they just cool. ring me and ask me instead of looking it up themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what kids do, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Incredible. That's really cool. I do, so do you, do you get diagnosed with a photographic memory or do you just sort of say oh i just remember this because how do you see it like a photo how do you visualize yeah so i see i see the numbers so it's very rain man sort of stuff it's um um i will see numbers in my head and like my sister will joke with me and say you know what was our number our phone number when we lived in Adelaide and I was four then at preschool and I will tell her what it is. So, And she's like, oh, thanks, I just wanted to see if you remembered that or, you know, what was Dad's number plate in 1982. And So if I, like, put my number in front of you right now and said read it and take it away and then recite it in, like, 15 minutes' time, would you be able yeah, to? Yeah, probably. And it's things like, you know, if I can – I see um, – like the phone at work brings up phone numbers and quite often I don't know if you've noticed when I answer the phone I say, hi, Molly, because I know whose parent is ringing me from the number that comes up on the screen. (laughs) And they're like, how do you know it was me? And I'm like, oh, lucky guess. Lucky (laughs) guess, yeah, photographic memory, whatever you want to call it. But does that help with business? It does. It does, like because I deal with so many government departments like Centrelink and and, you know, or even QECNT that will ring up and say, how many children do you have in today? And I know at any minute of the day how many children are in the centre and mm. uh, how many have been signed in, how many haven't. Amazing. Yeah, it's sometimes it does my head in. but <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good and bad things. Yeah. So tell us about Virginia Daycare. Mm-hmm. Like did that just sort of – how did that come about? Uh, I was um, – I do training and assessing and consulting, so I was um, actively consulting up here as well. What do you mean consulting? So what does um, that mean? So going into childcare centres for owners and providers and training their staff and getting them ready for assessment uh, if they've got an issue with um, team building or they've got an issue with um, health and safety, going in and consulting with them what's working, what's not working, yeah. um, sorting out staffing, that sort of thing, yeah. training directors. Um, yeah. So I was approached by 
an approved provider up here that lives interstate. So she's approved in the Northern Territory yeah, but lives interstate and she had a couple of centres and COVID had hit. She couldn't travel and she said, look, they're both um, not travelling the best because just with staffing and, you know, a lot of women working together and COVID and mm, and all of, of that. in the pen. Yeah, so I came across to help consult across her centres and and then I walked into Virginia and it was, I, to be honest, I wouldn't have left my dog there to be babysat. It was probably the dirtiest, most unkept centre I've ever set foot in in my life. Wow. Oh, my god! Uh, the children were playing with rocks. Oh. There was no grass. It was dirty. It was, yeah, and it broke my heart. I fell in love with the outdoor space but it oh, just. Oh, the outdoor space I can <laughs> say is one of my favourite things I've ever seen. For me it was really important, particularly as Artie was, when he was the age he was when he started at Virginia because we started at a centre in the city because that's where Jack and I both worked and it was a bloody awesome mm-hmm. I just felt really I remember you saying you didn't yeah, want to leave. Was, I was yeah. really, really sad to leave there. Like I remember I literally cried <laughs> when I on Artie's last day and I had to go and pick him up. I cried because I was so sad and the educators were the most beautiful women and I always thought that nothing would ever compare to that centre. But I was really excited because Virginia has this amazing outdoor play area of actual grass, none of this fake grass. They have you know, you guys have that the mound in the middle with the mm-hmm. slides coming down yep. and huge big sandpit and like a path that they all like ride their bikes yeah. around. Mm-hmm. And I even said to Jack, I was like, Can you build me one of them? Because that looks so much fun. And in the morning, Adi doesn't even say goodbye to me anymore. He just runs no. down and gets on the bike and down on the path. And it's a fantastic outdoor center. And I think that is a huge Hence why I've got a wait list until Yeah. <laughs> and that's what got me was that outdoor environment. So I rang the owner and I just said, I can't consult here. Um, no, you need you need to put some serious money into this place or you need you need to be here. And um, she said, you don't know anyone that wants to take it off my hands. And I'm like, well, I'll take it. So I rang you Gary. You think about it? No. I rang Gary and I said, uh, these kids need us. <laughs> um, I said, I can't, I can't deal with this. I've, we've just bought a centre. And he's like, what? You what? I love it. We just bought it. FYI, I've done it. I'm yeah. just telling you in advance. So I did steal it from her. Um, I sold my car. I cashed in some super. So the school bus was my daily drive for 18 months because I sold my car to, to, um, to buy the business. Um, and so we don't have a business loan. We just went in yeah. um, that first week not even knowing if we were going to make wages. So wow. So we started off at 20% occupancy, 23 children a day, and now we're at, yeah, full capacity with a wait list till 25. Oh, my god! And we got all – I kept two staff. I kept one girl that had been with the previous company for 20 years and I kept a girl that had been at that centre for 12 years. Yeah. So um, we started – started from scratch yeah um nights weekends repainting cleaning yeah irrigation the staff didn't have a lot of trust in me mm, no. because I've had so many owners over the years yeah it was a thing of unfortunately I did have to get rid of some staff and everything but um we've just gone in leaps and bounds yeah right. yeah we put a lot into our staff a lot of professional development a lot of 
a lot of love. Yeah, <laughs> and that repays itself. In yeah, space, yeah. It? So um, it was a nightmare the first 12 months just getting people to turn up five days in a row. Yeah, wow. Um, to feel valued and everything and now my core team, I can't, I can't fault them. Oh, credit to they you. They turn up every day. They come in early. They stay late. They Yeah. That's fantastic. So it, it worked. Yeah. <laughs> You're also about to basically demolish the whole centre. Yeah. I am telling you how good, it is and how good it is. And build this like super duper. I've seen the plans for it and you've stuck them on the front mm-hmm. desk where we sign in and out. And they are insane. What has, how did that so come So the centre's around 30 years old and we've put probably a good $180,000 into it last year in repairs and maintenance mm. of just, you know, things are getting old. We've had to keep replacing them. Our wait list, I I have to turn, like I've turned away nine families this week um, and it breaks my heart. I get really, it, I take it really personally if I can't help them and, you know, you've got mums mm. in there in tears because they need daycare and... Um, we don't own the pro- we don't work. own property, so yeah. I approached the landlord and I said, "Look, what are the chances of um, us buying another demountable room and putting it on on site?" And he, he's, "Why is that?" And I said, "Well, we can't keep up with the demand." So he said, "I'll build your new centre." Oh wow! I'm like, "What?" <laughs> and he said, "Let's do it." So he came back with plans for a 135 place centre. Um, and how many do you have now? 96. Yeah, wow. Okay, so that's that, quite a yeah, big boost. Yeah, so open up some more places um, for us. But this one will be purpose-built. We're over two sites at the moment, so we have a front building for the mm. little children and then we have a preschool building down the back. Um, but I said to him the most important thing for me, it would be, be lovely to have a purpose-built centre and storage and a new kitchen and all this sort of things, but we need to keep our natural environment So, because mm. uh, we keep chickens and we do composting. And and also I think a lot of people like the, you know, I, and I always talk about the rural area. I'm sorry, everyone must roll their fucking eyes <laughs> into the back of their brain when they hear me go rural area, this rural area, that, but like, you know, the reason we live out here is because we like the outdoors and we value the outdoors and, you know, I it was a big selling point for me that the kids mm-hmm. wouldn't be cooped up inside all day. Yeah, these are bush kids. Yeah. Like I do notice a big difference having done a lot of work in town um, as opposed to out here, these children, they want to be outside all day. They, yeah, they're free range. Yeah, yep. <laughs> they want to be dirty. They want to be, yeah, in with the chickens. They want to be on the bike track and playing with mud in the mud kitchen and so that's important that we keep that. So yeah. that was my stipulation is – yeah, a new centre will be great, but we need to keep this outdoor environment. What a yeah. great landlord. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, can we circle back to Gary and the boys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. With Gary being part of the rodeo, mm-hmm. had he ridden, that's what he sort of did? or Yeah, so he, he always uh, worked on stations and was a bull rider for a very long time. So um, very alpha male. Yeah, <laughs> extremely masculine, <laughs> very um, very old fashioned. Um, yeah, so him coming along, my boys were sort of like, "Whoa, who, mm. <laughs> who's who's this fella?" Um, so there wasn't a lot of competition between them. It was just really they build a relationship on respect. Like they they learnt a lot about respect and how to treat females and and everything. And um, yeah, he's been. A great influence. That's great. And tell me if we don't want to talk about this because that might be a yep. story. You mentioned obviously having the boys at home and boyfriends and girlfriends. Yep. 
So you mentioned how one of the boys came out. Yes. Yep. And so- <laughs> how, how was that journey? So it was it, it was really funny because to me, once I met him, you know, he's so handsome and so gorgeous and and the girls would just fall off him at the pub and he'd always come home by himself and, and um, always hung out in the kitchen with me, always came shopping with me, but not a typical, stereotypical yeah, gay guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, he still, you know, wore his cowboy hat and had his belt buckle and all this sort of stuff and I was yeah. like – there's something going on here and then I mentioned it to Gary one day and he and he's like you know what I've thought it his whole life but nah he goes I, I think that's just him and um, as time went on I noticed that he was he was just withdrawing into himself a little bit and he was pulling away and he was um, you know had a couple of male friends but would never bring them home and have drinks like the other boys did and and so I said to Gary one day, you need to talk to him about it. He's not going to talk to you. Yeah, right. So and you had you had got the feeling. Oh, yeah. yeah. And he said to me, well, why won't he just tell me? Yeah. And I'm like, have a look at yourself. Yeah. This is a guy that is covered from his beard to his ankles in tattoos. <laughs> He's at the gym every day. He's, yeah, he rides balls. He, you know, goes and hunts in choppers and, and all of this really masculine stuff. And his I said, greatest fear is that he yeah, won't accept him. You're going to have to you're gonna to have to do it. So they'd had a few drinks one night at a rodeo, funnily enough, and he he just asked him outright and his answer was, I don't know, Dad. And he said, Well that's a yes. Let's go and get a drink. <laughs> and that brought them closer than ever. That's great. Yeah, um, the weight was off of him. Yeah, that he had this big. Well, he thought it was a secret, but everyone sort of guessed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and one of his best girlfriends came to see me, and she said, "I'm so relieved he's gay. Oh. I've come onto him so many times and been rejected." <laughs> oh, bless. and she said, "I'm so, I'm so relieved." <laughs> uh, so no, that brought them closer than ever. Oh, I'm so touched. Yeah. That's really nice. And to then, hear. Um, and then. He got a partner who he's still with now and I think it made it easier for Gary because his partner's in the military. Yep. So they like to blow stuff up and shoot. And <laughs> right. Yeah. Common ground. Yeah. yeah. Talk yep. about killing stuff. So <laughs> so that that's made the transition a bit easier as well. Was so. that hard to get for Gary to come to terms with? Funnily not. Yeah. No. Um, he, I think because he might have always had that inkling. Yeah. Um, and he just said, um, you know, just be respectful of me. I don't, I don't want you sitting here kissing each other in front of me. And <laughs> But that would probably be the same for any of the kids, right? Like exactly. if you're not a big PDA person, you're not a big PDA person yeah. because you, you know, yeah. don't want to see your, <laughs> your yeah. kids macking on. That's yeah, right, yeah, yeah just- that's right. We don't see the others doing it. So it's just like, yeah, so that was his only fear, I think, of, yeah. you know, I'm not ready for that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, no, they've... um. Yeah, he's been in a relationship ever since. He used to work at childcare. He worked with the children and then uh, he's an excellent cook, so he was my cook for a long time. Oh, you're still looking for one of those, aren't you? She starts Wednesday. <laughs> How good. Yes. Teresa's been uh, without a cook for a very long time and every time I walk in, I put my hand in the kitchen I'm like, no, you're a chef today. And she's like, I need to find someone. I can't do this. <laughs> so, yeah, at the moment I'm, I'm the chef and the school bus driver and, and the director. So it's, Oh, my gosh. I'm looking forward to my leave next month. <laughs> what do you look for when you employ someone? Do you know what? I don't do interviews. 
I, I'm very big on inviting people to come and have a conversation um, because I want to know them. I don't want to, you know, obviously you've got a certificate and you've got this and you've got the that. But I've seen people with qualifications that are just shit people basically. Yeah. So I want you to come and tell me about you and why you want to work for me and why you want to work with children and uh, what's your currency? What are you getting from it? Yeah. Like if you're just here because you've got a mortgage to pay like we all do, I don't think that's the right fit. Yeah. Um, and really childcare, people don't get paid enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I think every mum will agree yeah. with that. So I like I have quite a transparent and family-style relationship with my staff. Um, basically, I think they know everything about me. If I'm having a bad day, they know why. Mm. Um, if they're having a bad day, it's like, you know what, you need to go home. You're no good to me today. Yeah. Go home and – and just have a cry <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like we all need to do every now and then. So when I'm interviewing, I'm more looking that these people want to work with children, not um, that they've got the qualifications and they can speak three different languages and that's yeah. great. But do you like kids? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, big kind of, yeah, that's kind of an important point. Yeah, mm. yeah, because it's such a skill shortage at the moment that they're offering the course for free so it's a fully funded course, so you get people that do the course because it's free. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, well, I've got to have some sort of skill. I'll do this, and yeah. it's not for the right reason. So, and I think there's a lot of pressure on young women as well. To you have to find a career mm. straight out of school. You've got to know what you're doing. Gosh, I didn't know what I was doing until I did childcare. I was mm. 27. Yeah. 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 Gosh. Very very good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And the childcare is not the only business you own. You've just bought another business in Palmerston. Yes. Because Gary, Gary's just come off the back of quite a tumultuous time in his life. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, Which so. Which I didn't know until you were sort of just telling us before and that sounds, on top of buying a business, how hard that would have been. Yeah, so we bought the childcare centre, got married the same week um, that's just how that sort of yeah. panned out. So that was huge. And then um, just just before, it was actually a few weeks before we took over the centre, I got a call from his work. He was an arborist. So uh, they rang and said, look, he's had a fall when we're going off to hospital but everything's okay. So what had happened, he'd fallen out of a 50-foot cherry picker. A branch had got Jeez. caught in his harness and pulled him over um, and the harness is designed to let you drop 10 feet and then it pulls you back. So when it pulled him back, it broke his neck and oh um, sort of hung him up like a puppet. So he spent the next two years in bed. Uh, he had a false disc put in through the front of his neck, which failed. Uh, it collapsed, so they had to fly him to Adelaide and operate through the back. So it ended up that he was got a fusion. So... He wasn't able to move his neck. He wasn't able to look up. He um, So for the next two years, he was on a lot of heavy, heavy medication. Mm. Um, anything that you can think of, he had it. And this isn't coding. Yep. And this was like every two hours. It's not like one dose a day. This is mm. – um, we were talking about the show on Netflix before, Painkiller. Yeah, Pain Killer. That, that was it's his It's a very life. good show if anyone – yeah. Know. Very confronting, obviously. Very confronting, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was our yeah. life. Yeah. and Because um, you build the tolerance up, so yeah. that's why you've got to 
keep going because, yep. yeah. And every on. time he'd go to the doctor and say, look, it's not working, I need to try something else, I need, um, you know, what other avenues are there and they'd just prescribe him more. Mm. So he was on so many different drugs for different things and then, you know, they'd supply him with all these pain relief drugs then he'd have to have drugs to sleep and then he'd have to have drugs to use the toilet then he'd have to have drugs to uh, control the tremors and then he'd have to have Valium to stop the mood swings and then he'd have to have anti-anxiety medication because he'd have the shakes all day and wouldn't leave the house. He went from a really social person that wouldn't go to the pub with his mates, anything. So it just changed him. Mm Mm-hmm. So one day he just scooped them all up and put them in the bin and said... What was the changing point for him to do that though? um, Just the fact that he said, I just rely on these to live. I'm sick of living in a cloud. Everything's blurry. I'm slow. I don't remember things. I'm not leaving the house. I haven't taken my wife out to dinner. Um, I'm not doing anything. I'm not getting out of my boat. And the boys would be adding to fish and he just wouldn't leave the house. So, yeah, this day he just put them all in the bin and locked himself in the granny flat for a week where, you know, and it was a typical like the movies you see with people coming down, yeah, the sweats, the withdrawals, the shakes, the vomiting. Um, And then he went to the doctor and they said, oh, you know, well, we'll look at weaning you off it. And he said, I'm off it. And then like, well, you could have died. You could have had a heart attack. You're not supposed to do that. Mm. But he just felt like there was really no help other than just prescribing more. Jesus. So he came out of all that and then he's like, well, I need to do something with my mm. life. I'm not sitting home anymore um, other than coming and, you know, fishing dinosaurs out of the toilet at childcare. And yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, we've ended up buying an Ultratune franchise in Palmerston and that's in its first month at the moment and he's feeling back in the swing of things and contributing and because mentally not in a good place at all, you know, going from – this alpha male bull rider hunter worker to being bedridden. So you don't just come off oxy for pain relief and go cold turkey and then still not need some sort of pain relief at all. Yep. You mentioned that he had found the gym again. Yep. How is that helping? Like what else is he doing? Because you can't just go from needing (laughs) daily oxy to nothing. Yep. So he's – Pedal's obviously (laughs) not going to cut it. Yeah, he's – a very stubborn and strong-willed person but really, yeah he's yeah. back in the gym he said the gym's his medication he goes in there and works out and he said that's his place to think and to to process it all and everything so he's got extremely fit uh he'll still have days where he will he's not in constant pain anymore but he'll have days where you know if he's mowed the lawn and been to work and done something that he knows he's overdone it and he mm. might not be able to move for two days but yeah it's Panadol and Nurofen and a heat bag and he just refuses to to go because back it on is it. Being active, like for someone who has back problems, you need to be doing something yeah. to ease that yeah. that pain. Yeah. But obviously, you can go over the top. And that's right. The up. most he'll have now is an anti-inflammatory tablet, mm. like a Voltara, and I think yeah, or something like that. Because he said, "I'm not taking them again because I don't want to no. ever feel like that." And how is that for you? Two years is a long time. Oh to yeah, <laughs> have. You know, see your husband change in front of your eyes. Yeah, yeah. Well, from this active person, they were we were out all weekend, every weekend doing something, um, camping, fishing, whatever. And yeah, to this person that would not leave the house, I found myself doing a lot of things by myself. Um, and everyone be saying, "Oh, 
you know, where's Gary? And he'll be, oh, he doesn't feel well um, because he just wouldn't wouldn't leave the house. Um, he'd have mood swings and stuff but not not towards me. He'd mm. be more like, I'm just cranky today, like sorry. But, um, yeah, so I was having met this man that was very fit and active and, and everything to not getting out of bed some days. Mm. So it was like, you know, am, am I going to come home and find him? You know, is he going to do himself in? Like, oh my God, yeah, that, that was the point that it was at. So, yeah. um, and I think that's how he recognized it as well is I've got to get off my ass and do something. Yeah. And had you guys asked him to get off the pills or <laughs> had you recognized that they were the. Issue? I hadn't, no. He was the one that said, I am addicted to pain relief. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So I had I just thought there was a necessary part of his life now. He's just going to be on this medication and and um, and then what's come out of it at the end was they were saying that he's now been diagnosed with a an autoimmune disease. So they're saying that a lot of these muscle spasms that that he was having, they were assuming it was from his accident. They were treating him for one thing, but it was probably this autoimmune disease that needed a different treatment. Oh, wow. So he was taking these drugs unnecessarily as well. Oh, gosh. Yeah, wow. <sighs> Whoa. Yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> Goodness. Yeah, so it's been a big few years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's a really tough mm. time for you guys. And has the altitude given him sort of a reason, an extra reason to get out of bed as well? Oh, different person. with the boys. You said that yeah, you've got so three one of, diesel Yeah, mechanics. so three boys are diesel mechanics. One of them is working for us at the moment. One's travelling Australia with his wife at the moment. He's decided that, you know, we're, we're going to sell everything we own and travel Australia, so right. I'm quite jealous about that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and then our third one's an apprentice, so he works for another company at the moment doing his apprenticeship. But, yeah. the yeah. The aim is to be a family business that we leave for the nice. boys. Wow. But, yeah, new lease on life, getting out of bed every day. Something to do. Yeah, that's right. He's, yeah, he's yeah. got that purpose and feels like Back he's contributing again. And, yeah, he's not, you know, coming to the childcare centre with 20 women on his case to fix something. <laughs> How busy now, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine his life before? <laughs> So tell us, what we're coming to the end. What's the future for Therese? Okay, so I feel like you're about to drop a bomb right now. <laughs> yeah, Kathleen's face said it too. Like what is she about to do? I, I'd like another centre. I would. Um, I'm in negotiation for another another <gasps> where, service. Where? Um, out, I'm actually tendering for the service out at Bachelor Institute at the moment. Wow. Uh, I used to be the director out there on campus yeah. and, and um, that's up for tender this year. So I've been negotiating with them. I just love the bush services. I love the opportunity for the rural women to be employed and mm -hmm. there's not a lot of opportunity there's when you live out this way. need out there. Yeah. Um, and being on campus, you know, there's a lot of – Students that come in from, you know, Yarral and Kalkaringi, they come yeah. from Western Australia, um, to be able to come in, they have their children on site with them while they're living in there studying. But being a trainer and assessor as well, I can actually help facilitate that. Yeah. So um, that's what I'd like to do. We'll see Is how that pans out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sleep when I'm dead, yeah? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And so you mentioned in your questionnaire your mango madness is you hate the humidity. Oh, but yes. surely there's a mango madness <laughs> when out night clubbing with your son. <laughs> yeah, what the hell? 
I, Surely there's got to be some you good know, stories my, there. My kids, they, they're just like, we're going to town. You guys coming? And we're like, why do you want us to come? Oh, you guys are so much fun. We want you guys to come. I want to be that mum too. Yeah, so we were the, the twins' 18th last year. Uh, we were sort of the highlight of um, all their friends that we were out. You know, we're out past them. They've gone to bed and we're, we're still out. You're still at monsoons. <laughs> yeah. <gasps> Feeling very old. But yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's not till you go there and you look around, you think, I am old. I'm actually. <laughs> I think uh, you look around when you're 20, you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. God, I'm old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, no, we have we have a lot of fun with the, with the boys. We really do. Like, we will, yeah, we'll go out with them and, and party with them and everything. And then. Um, but then our home life, you know, Sunday dinners and things like that, everyone's expected to be at home and and um, the family part's really, yeah, really big for us. Yeah, that's gorgeous. Yeah. Love that. We've just become grandparents so it's um, it's been a big year. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. And you've got however many children to look after every single day. Yeah, I get the privilege of everyone else's children as well. So, yeah. And that's what people say, you've got so many boys but <laughs> – you know, I have plenty of girl time at childcare. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I realise how easy boys are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Something to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> it is true. I think they are easier. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, thank you so much and thank you for uh, being, you know, holding that territory spirit true, <laughs> the fishing, the camping, the outdoors and, um, yeah, I love it. I think it's really important to hold those values tight because you don't know how long they're going to be around for. Hopefully forever, but... That's right, yeah. No, thanks for having me. No worries. Well, everyone, like, subscribe, usual bizzo. Leave a review. Chat with you next week. Sounds good. 